may be boring, but his guests aren't. It's Al's Boring Podcast. Oh, hi there. Al Dukes here, and my guest today on the podcast is Tom Chiasano. Hi, Tom. Hi, Al. Tom is was the uh, general manager at the 92.3 K-Rock for all of those Howard Stern years. And then I worked with Tom briefly during the um, very brief David Lee Roth years or months, uh, the very brief Opie and Anthony months, and then Tom retired. So, uh, Tom, when's, have you not talked into a microphone in many years? It has been a lot of years. It's yeah. been a lot of yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. So what have you been doing for the past six years or so? Um, you'd have to ask my wife. Yeah. I'm not really sure. No, I, I, um, I've been doing a lot of things. Uh, staying reasonably busy. Um, I'm a volunteer at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center uh, because I'm a cancer survivor, and I'm really uh, proud of that and happy to be there. Uh, I've got some brothers who own a business, and I help them. Avant Business Services, I might as well get a plug-in for them. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Cornucopia Logistics. Um, and and then I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to play golf. As, if anybody who remembers me remembers that I play golf, so I do that. And um, I've got a three-year-old granddaughter who's like the, I say two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, um, who, who's the coolest thing since bee's knees. And um, all of that and bugging my wife and making her crazy seems to keep me busy. Nice. So you were in radio for how long? How many years? Boy, um, 40? 40 years. And where did you begin this uh, radio journey? In Chicago. That's where you grew up? No, no. I was born and raised in New Yorker. Very proud of the fact that I'm born and raised in New York, right? Born in the beautiful borough of Queens uh, in Jamaica and uh, lived in St. Albans until I was just a little short of nine years old. And my parents um, got us out of St. Albans and got us out of Queens and we uh, we moved to lower Westchester County. But now I'm a, I'm a New Yorker through and through and very, very proud of that. So were you a guy, a kid who was interested in radio? Absolutely not. No, you were more of uh, when you were in high school, what, what did you want to be when you grew up? I had no idea. Really didn't. I had no idea. I mean, yeah. I, I was a, um, you know, I, I was uh, I wasn't a trouble kid, but I, you know, I was a kid who got myself in some trouble when I was growing up. I got thrown out of the first high school that I went to, Archbishop Stepanak High School in uh, in White Plains. Um, wound up graduating from my local high school, which is literally a, I could roll out of bed almost across the street and go to the, and go to Pelham High. Then um, was told not to come back after my freshman year, my, my, my first freshman year in college at St. Bonaventure. And um, at about that time, it was 1966, draft boards were looking for anybody they could put in khaki green and make them walk the rice fields of, of Vietnam. Didn't sound like a good plan to no. me. So I found a little college in northern Alabama that, uh, that I got into, got my student deferment back. And, um, and then after I, did, after I graduated college, I, I mean, it's a, it's a long... It, it, <laughs> I mean, how much time do we have yeah, for this? Yeah, you got a long story. You've been yeah. around a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, came close to getting married once um, after I graduated college and went up in Chicago. And that kind of, because my father had gone there and he was kind of the only guy that would hire me out of college. Um, he was running a, a, a hotel there. I thought that was going to be the business I was going to be in. Turned out I knew somebody um, that I had graduated college with, who had a uncle who was in the media business, and I went to meet him, and he took a liking to me, and that kind of eventually led to me getting my first job in radio, which was as a salesman. So then, um, yeah, that's a difficult uh, way to make a living as as a sales guy for radio. Seems to be. Um, I think it's harder now than it was then. Why is that? It, uh, well, I just because I think the business has changed. I, I think that um, I mean, unfortunately, radio is 
is not looked at in the same light that it was back then. Um, you know, it was pre-internet. It was pre-all these other competitive things, you know, and uh, um, it was a fine way to make a living. I mean, I, you know, I made, a, I made a nice living for a lot of years selling radio time and um, did, did TV for a year. Found I didn't like TV, so I went back to, I, you know, I actually quit my job. Went to Europe for three months, and I uh, was 29 years old, and um, it was kind of an unorthodox, and I'm kind of proud of that unorthodoxy that I've, that I've experienced from time to time. Um, so then I came back and, uh, and got back into radio. Doing the sales thing. Doing the sales thing. And then how did you wind up uh, going to New York City? Um, well, it was interesting. So I was in Chicago five years, leave, go to Europe, come back, get a job in New York. I'm in New York for a year get a job back in Chicago as a sales manager for a radio station out, out there. Um, get hired back in New York by Mel Carmazin at uh, WNEW-FM as the general sales manager there. And this was 1981. Um, and then when Mel left to go to Infinity Broadcasting, which was six radio stations back then, um, I called him and said, you know, this is okay, but... If I'm going to work for somebody, I'd much rather work for you than work for the people that I was working for. And um, they went up, he wound up having a job as a general manager in Jacksonville, Florida, of all places. Um, called me, and I wound up going there for about three years. They sold the station, and then he moved me back to New York in 1985 to become general manager of what was then WKTU, which um, that was January of 85, which in uh, July of 85, um, we changed to K-Rock. And when it was KTU, that was like the old disco KTU? It, it wasn't the old disco K, KTU at that point, but it was, the, it, was the, yeah, it was the station that, you know, at one point ruled New York as a disco station. Um, it had fallen on hard times, and, uh, and Infinity had purchased it. Um, and then we changed it to, you know, to be a rock station back in, uh, in July of 85. What type of rock was it back then? Like in 1985, were you playing what would be current rock hits, or, or yeah, were you playing yeah, it, older it, it stuff? Was, it was, you know, I mean, back then it was called AOR, album-oriented rock. Um, so it was a little bit of everything. So NEW was doing that, though. Yes, and NEW, now K- NEW was the station that you know, if, if we had a target that we were looking at, NEW was the target, as well as as was as was WPLJ back then. So PLJ, NEW, Both and now and now K Rock, we're all going to play rock music. Yep. Um, and who's your morning man at, at K-Rock when it first flips? Jay Thomas. Jay Thomas. And what was he like as a, uh, as a morning guy? Jay was a very talented guy. You know, he was a very, very talented, funny, you know, spontaneous guy. Unfortunately, we didn't get great ratings. Um, but Jay was a very talented man. He is a very talented man. And at the time, were you able to pick off some of the uh, bigger DJ names from PLJ and NEW, or were people afraid to come to K-Rock because it was brand new? Uh, no, we... Uh, we, I don't remember having a hard time, you know, hi, hiring talent. Um, you know, I mean, we had Mark, we had the Cope, Mark Coppola that we hired kind of right away. Um, then, oh, God, we had Jay. We had, uh, I think Jimmy Fink was around then. We hired Jimmy Fink. Um, uh, Tony Pig. Yeah. You know, these are some of the, you know, some of the staples that, that, that were, they were staple names back then. And uh, and we hired a bunch of them. I forget how quickly. I mean, it was, I was, you know, thirty years ago. Right. 
So. Now, now I always wondered, like, uh, for general, there's there's program directors and general managers, and and sometimes those jobs are different depending on the radio well, station. They're, they're very different. Yeah, so, I mean the, the the PD answers to the general manager. But I always wonder sometimes, like, is uh, who does the well, hiring? Usually does anyway. Where like who 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 would normally hire the the DJs would be the program well, director? Yeah, yeah. The PD. I mean, the PD, the program director, would be responsible for kind of uh, identifying the talent. And then it would either be left to him or to her, um, or it would become a team effort. I, you know, I remember back then I had a female program director uh, named Pat Evans, really nice lady, and um, you know, and we kind of worked together on some of it because it was going to be, you know, it was going to be real money for us back then. So, um, you know, and then obviously I had a boss, and how I had to answer to one money. So then uh, Howard Stern at that time is at WNBC. That is correct, sir. And when you first take the job, was there an, an idea that it was going to flip flip to rock and that they were trying to get Howard? No. No. So you get there. Well, certainly not in my, I, not in my mind, I don't, and I don't, I don't believe it existed anyplace else within the company. Um, it was kind of our good fortune that NBC was really stupid and fired Howard in the, towards the end of that summer. And um, and Howard's agent uh, named Don Buckwald had a really tight relationship with with my boss Mel Carmisen, you know, and and that started the the conversations that eventually led to bringing Howard to the radio station. And he first gets there and he's doing afternoons. Yes. And Jay Thomas is still on in the morning. Yes, they were both represented by the same agent. And then do you see afternoon ratings start going up right away? Absolutely, immediately. And then, and then the idea is that you need that in the morning more than the afternoon. The idea was, yeah, that we're better in the morning, and the, and the idea was that unfortunately the mornings weren't working um, with Jay, and um, so the idea was that Howard would be a much better morning man, you know. And um, and I always feel compelled to make sure that people understand this because Howard has accused me of this at, at different times in the past. Um, I never take credit for making the final decision for hiring Howard. That really was Mel's final decision because it was a lot of money for the company back then, a small company. But I certainly was part of and very supportive of that. And when I asked what I thought, I said, we should absolutely do it. And who comes over for that show? So it's Howard, Robin, Fred, Gary? No, no Gary at that point. So just three come over? Yes. And who's acting as producer or or Howard's kind of just running everything? I mean, I forget how long it took us to bring... Uh, to bring Gary over, but Gary came over pretty quickly. He could have been there before the first show. It could have been after the first show. I don't really remember. Um, I just know that um, after Mel negotiated the deals for you know for the the three of them, um, that it, I was then told you know listen we need a I forget if it was with a conversation with Mel or with Howard. It was probably with Mel. Um, you know that at at Howard's insistence. You know, and rightfully so, that they needed a producer. And so I went out and I talked to Gary and hired Gary. And uh, is, when he first comes over to do afternoons at the new K-Rock, you're still playing music back then? In, yes. In oh, his absolutely. time yeah, no, spot. He was obligated to, the contract called for him to play a certain number of songs every hour. Oh, and how did he feel about that right away? Uh, I, he didn't, I don't remember him, you know, complaining about it at the beginning. I don't remember him really complaining about it. Um, a lot. I'm sure he did, you know, but I, I just don't remember those conversations specifically or the, you know, the on-air segments specifically. But, um, you know, eventually, I forget if it was when he was doing afternoons, it was when he moved to mornings that I, I remember very clearly a conversation that, that I had with, with Mel where it was, do you think they're listening for, you know, Stairway to Heaven or for him? 
I said, listen for him. He said, so, so what do you want to make him? What do you want to make him play Stairway to Heaven for? Right. And we said, okay, you know, and stop making him play music. So he he was in the afternoons for how long before that move was he, made? Uh, it was about. He came in November. Um, if I remember the, it was either eighth of November eighteenth or nineteenth. I remember those days pretty clearly. I, I'm pretty sure it was November eighteenth or nineteenth of nineteen eighty five. And then I believe he started in mornings. I want to say February. It could have been January, February. And um, and again, we saw a dramatic, immediate dramatic increase in ratings. And and who was the big competition back then for mornings? For morning, Imus. Imus was still on. Imus uh, was the only I, that, that I remember. He was the only name that I remember who was on in mornings then. So like PLJ and NEW, they didn't really have a competitive morning show uh, once I, Howard. No, I mean no. Yeah. Um, so then Gary comes over, Howard, Fred, Robin, and, uh, you're getting along with them right away, uh, or is he kind of tough to deal with? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All good right away. So, um, then you're also in charge of sales when you're over there at, uh, Howard Stern. I had the best sales manager in New York radio, a guy named Ed Moyer. And then how did the, um, advertisers, you know, when you look at the movie Private Parts, the, you know. And along the way, you know, there are certain people that won't advertise in Howard because right. they, they have this idea of what the show is right. or what it represents. Did you guys run into that or more yes, people did. that... No, we did, but we, we ran into more of uh, people willing to um, to advertise in the show than not. Right. And, um, I mean, it wasn't without its bumps in the road, but, um, again, I had a really good sales manager, so... Between his efforts, you know, and we, I mean, and I was kind of always involved, but, but I mean, Eddie was really good at what he did, and um, and we started having success fairly, pretty much right away. I'm sure the underwear you're wearing right now is probably terrible. If we asked you to strip down to it, you'd be embarrassed. It's time for you to get yourself some new underwear. May I recommend Mack Weldon? And here's the great thing about Mack Weldon. It's an online retailer, which means you don't have to go to the store to buy your underwear. I find it incredibly awkward to bring a package of underwear to the front counter. So I like to get my underwear online, and I'm going nowadays to MacWeldon.com. With them, it's all about the details. The underwear has mesh cool zones, stay-put legs, and a no-roll waistband. The undershirts they have are longer, so they stay tucked in, and the sleeves are cut so they don't bunch up under your shirts. Mack Weldon is confident that you'll love their underwear, but every fit is subjective. So if you don't love it, they'll send you a different size or a refund. No need to send anything back. And check this out. Use promo code BORING and you get 20% off your entire order. MacWeldon.com. Use promo code BORING for 20% off. It's no secret that I'm a bald man. Well, when you're bald, you have to shave your head, and you also have to shave your face because if you're bald and you have a beard, you look ridiculous. Uh, So that's a lot of shaving, head, face, every couple of days, which means I'm going through a lot of cash, going through a lot of razors, and I'm going to the drugstore to get them, which I always forget to get when I actually get to the drugstore. Then I get home and realize I never bought my razors. Well, for listeners to my show, Harry's is giving $5 off your first purchase of a starter set with coupon code BORING. After entering my code BORING at checkout, you can get Harry's starter set for just 10 bucks. That's a month's worth of shaving for just $10 with code BORING at checkout. Well, what's in Harry's starter set? Well, it includes a razor, three of Harry's high-quality German-engineered blades, and a bottle of shaving cream. 
And the best part is it's shipped to your front door free. Go to harrys.com and enter my code BORING at checkout. You'll get $5 off your first order of a starter set. That's right. With my code BORING, you can get a month's worth of shaving for just 10 bucks. That's harrys.com, code BORING. Do that at the checkout and change the way you shave forever. It's Al's Boring Podcast with Al Dukes. And do you notice uh, with Howard's ratings in the morning, it started to carry over throughout the other day parts, and then the, the whole station gets to be successful because of that, or no? Um, there, you know, we always hoped there would be a bigger carryover than than there probably was, um, which is one of the reasons why over the years we kind of changed our musical approach at different times because we were trying to find a music approach that would um, be more appealing to a bigger number of those people that he was bringing in every day. Um, but that was, that was difficult, um, because a lot of them just didn't care. The only reason they were listening was for him. I noticed that I started listening to that show probably in 86, 87, somewhere around there. And I was one of those guys that, that would stay, uh, for the music after. And that's kind of how I learned about rock music. It was Howard Stern all morning, classic rock all day. And that's where I learned about all those bands just from, because I was like, oh, what else am I putting on? I, I came there for Howard first, but that's where I learned about The Who and Zeppelin right. and, and all of those. We would always encourage him, especially at the beginning. Meg Griffin um, did Middays After Howard, and we would kind of always encourage him to, uh, you know, to kind of help bleed into her. I mean, and, and he liked to stay late. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, it was a conversation to Howard. I mean, he, you know, he would just, he'd get involved in this conversation, and a lot of times it would go to 10, 30, 11. Sometimes it might even go longer. Um, because it was just very natural to him. It was what he liked to do. He liked to talk on the radio. He, you know, he liked to express himself and, and be entertaining, obviously, all at the same time. And, um, and it was just very natural. I, I, you know, I always remember there was one day, it was, I forget the exact time, but it was late. And I had, actually had to walk in the studio, which I, I did a fair amount. Um, and he's, his feet are up on the council. He's leaning back, talking in the microphone. And I looked at him and said, Howard, it's like 1130, man you got to go home. And he bolted up in the chair and said, oh, my God, I completely forgot. I had, a, he had an appointment, you know, at noon somewhere or whatever. And, and that's just the way it was to him. That's, you know, he just really liked doing it. Right. Yeah, there was one time I was listening. To, it had to be, you know, 11 o'clock or so. And then, you know, Gary would come in and go, oh, Gilbert's here. Oh, he just got here. You know, it's 11 a.m. Right. You know, so it's going to go on forever. Um, so then back then you were doing, uh, it was Howard Stern all morning, classic rock all day. And then Well, when- no, it, it, it was at times. I mean, it, at the beginning, when he first went on the air, it wasn't classic rock. Then it became classic rock. Um, and then it changed from classic rock to, to, to I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't even know what the label would have been back then. Uh, modern rock. You know, alternative rock. And, um, you know, because we, again, I had we'd done some research and found and we thought we saw a fairly clear trend that the stations that had him on around the country, this was now, he was now syndicated, that they were doing better. The alternative rock stations were doing better hanging on to more of his audience than the classic rock stations were. So we tried that. And how did the the live commercials start with that show? Because he really is someone who did them. Right, it was part of how he positioned himself. It was yeah. part of how... When we were having the initial conversations, that was part of what he, what his act was. That uh, um, you know that he made those as part of the um, the body of the show. You know, and it was kind of hard to tell what was um, 
what was advertising and what was just him. You know, I can still hear the Roselli, you know, moving commercials, you know, and him, you know, and Fred playing the bring, um, Dunkey in the background and talking about her and the hair on her back and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, that changed over time, but at the, certainly at the beginning and for a, a lot of the early years, it was very much, hey, you know, I'm here to make these advertisers really happy too. And what was the peak for advertising for that show, where where you were getting the most money for live reads and, and uh, just commercials? No, oh, back in the dot-com boom era. Um, you know, we set records. Late we, 90s? Yeah, yeah. I, I've, again, it's been a while, but yeah, when yeah. It, we had died, yeah, died, so it would have been late 90s, 98, 99 probably, something like that. Um, I mean, our live commercial rates were bigger than some TV commercial rates. Yeah. You know, we always remember we were getting... getting um, one advertiser who we told we were sold out, and they said, we don't care. We said, well, we, we, don't, we don't want to sell you these commercials. It's just not going to be worth it to us. And they said, we don't care how much. And we said, $30,000 a commercial. Wow. For a local commercial in New York, on New York radio. And they said, okay, we'll take three. Yeah. And what was the, the peak of the, of the uh, ratings? Like what type of share of the market was he getting in the morning? I mean, huge shares. I mean, you know, sixes and sevens of the 12-plus market. Um, you know, and I mean, 40% of the 18 to 34 year old guys, you know, who were listening to radio would listen to him. Um, you know, 25% of the 25 to 54 year old guys, you know, 20% of the adults. I mean, they were astronomical numbers in New York and, and, and they were in a lot of cases duplicated around the country, not always to the same extent as New York. Um, but as he syndicated, you know, he did very, very well. And when did that start? When were the first discussions of, and, and, and do, does the company come to you uh, thinking that that in some way will affect the K-Rock product because he's gonna, they're going to try him on uh, YSP in Philly? Um, I, I, think, I, think those, I think the desire to syndicate was more his than it, than it may have been the company's. But, I mean, I wasn't part of those conversations. Um, so I can't really tell you for sure, but I, I think that was more him wanting to to grow and to become bigger, and um, so and I, I think the company you know smartly accommodated that. And when did the uh, first uh, trouble begin with the FCC? When 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 the first kind of complaints started coming in, and then how does that get to you as as a guy who's running uh, K Rock? Well, I mean, I it, I want to say ninety eight. I, I you know, and I could be way wrong on these dates. Um, but it could, cause it could have been a lot earlier than that. Um, but I think around the same time that he started syndicating, it was about the same time that people really started to take note. Um, and those people, you know, the, those really heavy right leaning people, you know, um, started to pay attention and to, and to complain. And, um, and it got to me fairly quickly again, cause, cause my boss came to me and said, Hey, what's the, what's the, most important thing a general manager does? Protect them. Protect yeah. Did he ask you or me? He asked you. Okay. So let me give my answer. I thought you were, you, you, <laughs> I thought you couldn't remember. <laughs> no, I could remember. I'm, not, I'm old. I'm not that oh, old. Oh, okay. Um, protect the radio station license. He said, right. So um, means you got to start coming in. And, um, and if, you hear, if you hear him say you think, something you think they think is indecent, you need to edit it. We'll find somebody to do this quickly, um, to take your place, but um, for the moment, you need to start doing it. 
and I had no problem. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I loved, I loved my job. I really liked the company. I really, really liked and respected the, you know, my boss. So I would kind of do pretty much anything, you know, that wasn't illegal or immoral that he'd asked me to do. Um, and I liked supporting my wife and son. And uh, they were all kind of umbilically tied together. Um, so I started doing that. And, and what was supposed to be a temporary assignment turned into seven plus years of, I'm an early riser anyway, of getting up at, uh, you know, at 4.30 in the morning to make sure I was in the office by six o'clock so that I could sit in the uh, little master control room and um, with God only knows what, you know, what I was exposed to. Um, but, and then start making edits if I felt I had to. And did you have an idea of what that meant as far as like when you first started doing it to know like, yeah, I know this sounds There were no textbooks to read. You know, there were complaints that I could look at and kind of see the language that, you know, that had already been highlighted. Um, But no, it was totally off, you know, it was pretty much off of my gut. You know, it was what did I think they would think was going to be indecent. And prior to that, Howard just had a dump button next had to him. A ten second analog dump button that that sat in the middle of his board. Um, you know, if he heard somebody curse, you know, those seven magic words, then he knew to hit it. Other than that, he wasn't going to edit the show. And did that responsibility of the dump button come after fines were were paid by well, the we company? Never, we never paid a fine. There were donations to the we FCC. Never, we, we never paid a fine. Uh, well, then it came after the, 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 the big amounts were levied or, or, or fined that. There was a negotiated settlement to which we, the company never agreed um, to having done anything wrong. Right. Because having those things out there, it would, that was the FCC was stopping Infinity from purchasing more radio stations, which they well, wanted to I mean, to they do. never admitted that. Yeah. So initially, was the dump button in your office, or you right no, no, away it was down went in master control, right into next to all that equipment, right, right. Uh, and then, how was that presented to Howard? That now there's, you know, that Tom's going to be now down the hallway. And, I think that's uh, how it was presented. Yeah. Well, by the way, Tom's down right. the hallway. Right. And uh, how did that go over initially? Not well. Not well. No. No. I remember the first time I hit it, uh, he stopped the show. Oh. You know, and I was literally down the hall. So I heard him stop the show. I knew he was coming. I stuck my head out the hall, and he, you know, said, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing what I think I have to do. He said, well, that's wrong. I said, I'm sorry if it's wrong. You know, you may be right. It may be wrong, but I don't think it is. So that's what I have to do. And you don't have a lot of time to make that decision. I had seven seconds, if even. Right. And you have to take uh, into account. Ten seconds. Actually, initially ten seconds. And you're taking decision. into account context. Language, all those things, excretory functions, you got it, sexual organs, you got it, all of those things, all of those things. Uh, the the, uh, the easy stuff that was the, the easy st- stuff was the really obvious stuff, yeah. It mostly wouldn't be coming from him, would be coming from his guests, would be right. coming from you know, any one of the the myriad of guests that he would have in, um, you know, and so, but yeah, it was did you it was get a rocky road, yeah, did, did you get complaints? From uh, these these people who would complain about such things after you had taken over the sure. the, the button, Absolutely. there still were some things that would Absolutely. come in. And when you would get some of these complaints for language and things, did it, did some of it seem like ridiculous or most of it seemed ridiculous? Yeah, and a lot of it they, they all come from like one guy. Wasn't there one there was guy, guy in Las yeah. Vegas? Yes, he was just over and over and right. over again. Yeah, complaining. Yeah, I'm trying. I, 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 I want to try and remember his name, but you know what? If I did, I probably shouldn't say anyway, yeah. so I won't. 
Um, okay, so then uh, at some point you train. I remember there was a guy, Andre, I think, who Andre used Gardner. To, yeah, he, he uh, ran the dump button at a time. because right, I got sick. Okay, when was that? That was 17 years ago. So, so you, I, I got really sick. I, my, literally, my life was on the line. I was a stage four melanoma patient. Um, and, um, and in the fall of 98, um, there was a question of whether I was going to be able to be here, you know, so what are we, uh, 17 years later, you know, doing this stupid interview with you. Right. Um, on a podcast. Right. On a podcast. I mean, look you were I running. Could, look, look what I've come to. <laughs> you were in control of K-Rock during the Howard when Stern I, years. When I, when I retired, they wrote me up as the most famous general manager in the history of radio. Now I'm sitting here doing a podcast with you. What are we doing? Oh, my God. So how did you even know you had melanoma? How does one get? Did you, did you, uh, yeah, were I had, you feeling had a, bad? You know, I mean, do you really want the full medical history? Sure. Well, whatever um, you're comfortable with. You know, I, where you I, just... I mean, I, I tell the story all the time. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the story. And, uh, um, <laughs> it, but it was, so it was almost 20, it was 24 years ago when I, my wife saw a little spot on my back. So anybody who might be thinking about laying out in the sun, don't do it. Were you um, a sun guy? Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, yes. I mean, I love the beach. I like the ocean. Um, I surfed at one point in my life. You know, I've always played a lot of golf. I was a tennis player. I was pretty active out and outdoors. Um, and um, so it was a little mole on my back that had changed shape and color. My wife saw it and said, you need to get this looked at. It turned out to be melanoma. Um, seven years later, I am fine. You know, nothing's happened. Um, and all of a sudden, it comes back. And I've got a tumor in, under my right arm and a tumor in my left collarbone. My, my great surgeon, Dr. Daniel Coyd, I always have to give him a plug. He's just one of the best men I've ever known um, and is my friend now. Um, takes them both out, and about a month and a half later, it reoccurs on the back into my right arm. It's inoperable. It's growing fast. And I'm a stage 4 melanoma patient. And I went through a, um, an extreme variety of chemotherapy that was called CVD-Bio, five chemotherapy drugs simultaneously. And to the best of my knowledge, I am the only one of 85 people that survived that they gave that to. Wow. And, and so how, what was the, the period then? Where you, did you go into work at all those, no. those times? No, I was out of work for about 14, 15 weeks. Um, I was way too sick to go to work. Um, because it was, I mean, uh, the analogy I always use and, and, um, is if you've ever seen The Exorcist, Linda Blair had nothing on me. I could levitate. I could rotate. I could projectile vomit with the best of them. Um, lost 30-plus pounds, all my hair. I know it doesn't look like I had, but I even had more, a lot more hair than you do, Al, um, back then. And um, all fell out. You know, it was it was... It was very, it was traumatic, you know. I mean, I'm glad to be able to be here and talk about it. Um, that's why I volunteer at Sloan Kettering and now and and, t- and tell the story at the drop of a hat because um, people need to be able to be aware. Son's not your friend. Did you consider not going back to work? I did. And what made you decide otherwise? My wife. She said, "Get out of the house." Right, you ain't hanging around with me. <laughs> and did you did your um, did the mentality? Not I wanted to. I really wanted to go back to work at that point. I you know I mean it didn't take a lot of encouragement. Um, because I was still, I was really young. I was 51 years old, 50 years old when this happened. Um, so it was way too young to not work. And did your, uh, did your approach change when you went back to work? In, in other words, like 
take things less seriously or you know i wish i could tell you yes but i don't think so you know i think i was i think i'm still this i, I mean i'm thinking i'm today even you know you know suffer from the same obsessive compulsive disorders that i did back then you know the the need to be in control as much as i possibly can um but certainly perspective on life changes you know i mean you appreciate life a lot more um but the things bother me that bothered me to the same degree yeah you know i wish i could tell you that they didn't right. but they did and um oh what the heck I had a good one, Tom. Uh, oh, was it ever uh, discussed on the air when this was yes. going on? How so? Like how, how right away? Well, did, I, was I, it I think, you know, I listen. I didn't listen much while I was in the hospital. Um, but but certainly when I came back and some of the numbers that started to build up, because I would go back, I'm listening, I think back all the time, you know, and, and, and I met a couple of people who were going to go through the protocol that I went through, um, who, who have, I've, I don't think it's right for me to name name names, um, but there's two guys that I met and um, who I think of a lot that that didn't make it. And um, I remember being on the air one day with Howard, and, you know, and and, um, and said something about oh, you know, just so you know, I mean, it's like so far um, they've given that uh, that that biochemistry, you know, the but that CBD bio to to like 14 of the people, and so far I'm the only one that's lived. And I remember how we're going, just my luck. I feel like they get, get the roach of general managers. They figured out how to kill every other insect except you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, because nothing was sacred. Nothing was holy, and that was fine. I, I didn't care. And did, the, did you like going on the air? Like when, I did. And, and when he was... For the most part. Not always, but for the most part, yes. When, when he appeared to be very angry right. and would call you in, uh, that was legit anger yeah i mean it was the first reality show I, I always thought it was the first reality show i know that he's ever said it as such but i always thought it was the first reality show and would that carry over off the air like on on things that were really had him furious sometimes but but for the most part not always yeah not I mean, not often and and off the air he was easy to deal with as far as uh what you would need an air talent to he was, uh he was to be? reasonable you know he was always approachable um i didn't always get my way he didn't always get his way um, so I would say that we found a way to, to work around each other's, you know, needs. Uh, certainly I accommodated him at every possible turn that I could. Um, you know, we used to do meetings every week with advertisers. He said, I don't want to do those anymore. You know, so we had Gary start to do them, but sometimes when it was really important and I felt it was right, I would go to him and say, listen, you need to do this one. And I don't ever remember him saying no to me when I said, you really need to do this one. And when he wanted to expand the show, uh, you know, adding uh, people like when uh, Jackie was added during the the K. Well, well, yeah, he... yeah, Jackie came pretty much right away. But Jackie came as you know, as I think three days a week, and um, and then it just the show was doing well. It made sense. We were you know we were making money, and it just you know be, you know there, there was money there to support um, pretty much everything that he wanted to do whenever he really wanted to do it. And then how does Billy West get added? I don't even remember how that happened. Uh, Billy had was in um, was in Boston on BCN, and uh, was a great talent. Um, and he wanted to come to New York, and I I forget exactly how I because I, I you know I don't think that was I don't I don't think I made that decision. I think that that was a decision that was made above me. Um, you know, it was one of those things where. Uh, um, 
where Mel and or Howard and or Don, you know, would have said, hey, listen, this would be a good ad to the show. And so we did it. I used to get my mom the worst Mother's Day gifts ever, or sometimes I would just get her a card. I'm stepping my game up. Pro Flowers has an easy-to-use website that makes buying a beautiful gift for your mom simple and quick. Pro Flowers is offering boring podcast listeners 100 blooms with a free glass vase for just $19.99. Visit proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and type in boring. Order today. This offer expires Friday at midnight. Proflowers.com, click the blue microphone, and type in boring. It's Al's Boring Podcast. And then when, when contracts would come up with that crew, would, would they all kind of come up at one time? So like Howard and Robin? Howard, Robin, and, and and Fred all were, they were a package. So that would all get done they at one paid time. paid individually, but they were, you know, they were they were packaged and they were all represented by, uh, you know, by Don Buckwald. And then the very famous Jackie negotiations. That, that happened right. often, though. Often. So I mean, he would only get a couple-year deal every time? Um, he never had a multiple-year deal. Oh, he would go year to year? He'd go to year oh to year. God. By his choice or the, or your choice? Um, I, 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 probably my choice, but yeah. it could have been his choice as well. You know, and they only got really bad when um, well, he walked a couple of times. You know, he just wouldn't then, be in work. The the just, show would you know, go decide, on, and, right? And then uh, and then um, Howard went out of his way to you know to make sure that, that Jackie came back each of the times that he left. And then the I think it was the third time, um, and I that was when I was really negotiating the contract directly with uh, with his new agent, um, and then he didn't come back. He didn't like the final deal. Yeah, he didn't like the final deal. Was there something you enjoyed about negotiating with Jackie? I mean, I enjoyed negotiating, but I didn't enjoy that one because I always felt that um, it, we had, I had put a lot of money on the table for Jackie and, um, and a long-term commitment that he hadn't had before. It really was, in my mind, an extraordinary deal. Um, and, uh, and I always felt really bad that I couldn't get him to see it to be as extraordinary as it was, because I liked him. I mean, I, I really did and still do. I don't think he, I don't know what he thinks about me. And, and um, you know, and, and, but I, I liked him. And, and I really tried to impress upon him as best I could that this was it. This was a great deal. There was nothing more coming. You know, this wasn't going to be, you know, there was, no, there was going to be no angel all of a sudden, two days after we said it's over, that was going to come back and say, eh, we didn't really mean it's over, you know, again. No, this time we really meant this was it. You take this and you'll be very comfortable for a lot of years um, or you're just not going to be here. And he decided to try and play that card that he had played before, unfortunately. You know, and again, I, I blame, I, I always wish I could have sound, found some magic words to, to, to get him to see that I really meant everything that I was saying. Um, because I remember those conversations very clearly, and um, and and I always felt bad that uh, that he walked because it it was a it was a bad decision. Right. Do you think that was? I don't know how to word this correctly, but if you could pinpoint the years of the the Howard Stern show that were the 
key years? Or are they, were they the Jackie years? Like people will say, well, that's those are the classic years, and then it moved well, on a little you bit. You know, I mean, listen, there was a there were fifteen years, if I remember correctly, with Jackie. You know, and five years with Artie. You know, and Artie, I, I, mean, I loved Artie. He was a great guy. Um, you know, uh, and but I, I would say the highest ratings probably happened in the period. You know, um, when Jackie was part of the show. But I don't know that that was reflective of anything other than there was this unbelievable growth by this unbelievable entertainer, you know, who knew how to, you know, to, um, I, I always described him and I mean, it's very complimentary, you know, that Howard was kind of like, um, a comedic blob, the old movie, the blob. Remember that movie? Yes. You know, it got bigger because every time it kind of rolled through something, it would absorb their energy you know, and that's kind of the way Howard was, you know, figuring out how to use the whack pack, how to take full advantage of uh, anything and everything that was around him to add to the comedy levels and the entertainment level of the show, you know. So I don't want anybody to take that, you know, in anything other than a total compliment because he's a, he's a, you know, he's a, I consider him a friend and he's a, and he was a, he's a genius in his own way. Um, that, and and Jackie was part of that, clearly, you know, and, and everybody rode that for a long, long time um, and figured out how to contribute to it as well. You know, everybody contributed. Uh, there's no question of that. Right. You know, um, so. And then Howard would do uh, how many year deals uh, those years at K-Rock, like five, his last five, five year years. deals? And did it always come down to the wire, or did it just no, seem I, that again, way? I, again, I wasn't doing those deals. Yeah. You know. Oh, they were was, done. That by was, yeah, that was being, because no. they were, they were. They were just above my pay grade, in my, my in quotes pay grade, I guess. Would you be in the loop like, hey, we're getting close? Sure. Or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. You just said, oh, absolutely. That's I know. Your I know. As soon as I, as I soon still as, do I, that in my head. As soon as I heard that come out of my mouth, I said, oh, my God, can I get absolutely back? Because I can hear Fred playing right. that sound drop. When people ask me anything, that's a, an answer is yes. I'll go, oh, absolutely. Right. And I know, and I'm doing that sound drop in my head. So then... Um, when Howard uh, ended up leaving for Sirius, what was what were those preceding months like, or was that not even? Torture. No, I'm saying before he even announced it. No, I oh be, be, before he announced before it? he announced it. Oh, there were there were it was normal, absolutely normal months. And the and the contract was coming up for renewal again. Right. I mean, and um, you know there was been there had been a change in the in the highest levels of the company. Um, you at know, CBS Radio to to who CBS was Radio and you know and at Viacom the company had now merged with Viacom and um, you know and so there were a lot of things different than they had been before in terms of who was you know ultimately you know who I was answering to and um, and you know and they were negotiating clearly um, with <laughs> without anybody knowing. Um, they were negotiating with Sirius and made a deal. And then one day announced it on the air. So was where was Mel at this time? Was he still he with CBS gone. or he was gone? Yeah, I'm pretty sure okay, so gone. you're uh, like the rest of us listening. Just oh, yeah. uh, I happened to be on the bus that day. I remember, you know, it was weird. I had I had, had an interview at, uh, at Sirius for like the NFL channel or something. And this was when Opie and Anthony were out of work when Howard was at K-Rock. And uh, I had just asked the guy, oh, are you guys thinking of going after Opie and Anthony? And the, and the guy at the NFL channel goes, no, we're, we're going after Howard Stern. I remember leaving there going, these lunatics over there, like they think they're going to get a, 
Howard Stern to come here. It was it blew my mind. Like, who even knows what this is? So uh, you were you were um, down the hallway in the in the dump button room at the this time. I think I, I don't think I was editing the show then because now I, when I came back from being sick, I didn't go back on the button. That's when you mentioned Andre. Andre was you know on the button, um, and he may he may have even left at that point, and um, and, and that's when uh, Dead Air Dave was doing it. Um, but when I heard him say, "I've got a big announcement at 8, and you had no inkling no, of what was none. going on. Nobody, okay, nobody so, knew. And when he says I have a big announcement at eight, do you think it's career oriented or or just I'm going to do this big show or uh, you know could be anything. Could be anything. And um, when I asked him, he said uh, you'll find out at eight, like everybody else. And then eight o'clock comes, and he says he's going bingo, to bingo, bango, bongo. The serious. <laughs> and yep. what was that like? Uh, it was um, nuclear. Yeah, like a gut punch. It was. Uh, uh, I mean, oh, not a gut punch. No, not a gut punch. <laughs> bigger, <laughs> much bigger. A than knockout that. punch. It was. It was. It was big. It was huge. Because um, he also had fifteen months to go at that point. Sixteen months to go on his contract with CBS. All right, so they wouldn't even be talking contract at that time, right? Fifteen months out. They yeah, they could have been, but I, you know, as far I didn't know that they were. I didn't know they weren't. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a big deal. So do you go in during a break after that, after hearing that? Yeah, well, the first speakers? I, you know, believe me, at first I then started calling around, making sure the people that I worked for knew what had been said. Um, and you know, and, and then I went in and, and I don't remember what the conversations were. I mean, I'm sure I went in at some point, um, but I, I can't tell you, I, I couldn't tell you one word that was spoken that day between him and me. Yeah. If there were. I'm sure there were, but I don't, I, I don't know. And then did, was that relationship then weird after that for a, a little while, a long while? Well, yeah, it was weird. I mean, I mean, we I like to think we still had a good relationship. I mean, it, it certainly strained it um, because now I was responsible for, um, and I think at that point I started sitting back in with dead air every day um, because now we're trying to figure out how to best control him from publicizing his new venture, which was obviously, you know, and competitive to CBS, you know, and not necessarily in the best interest of CBS radio um, and, you know, and where he was going, which were clearly in, you know, um, in his best interest. So uh, the the corporate folks uh, huddled up, and and was there a decision like, okay, well, we have to edit out any mention of Sirius? Is that how he started with the stuff? Yeah, that was. I forget exactly how that happened. Um, I don't know whether that was just me, um, or whether I had been told to. I I, I really don't remember. I I don't remember getting specific instructions, but it doesn't mean I didn't. Um, That um, yeah, I said, listen, you know, just you can't say it. So it became, eh, eh, eh. right. Yeah, I remember things got very ugly between oh Joel Hollander and ha- and Howard. There was he was he was being uh, Howard was was kind of going after him every day because I I think the company sued him for you know well, promoting they, they, this I mean, other thing. Yeah, they, I mean, there was one day where um, I forget what he said, um, but I had to go to him and say, hey, "Listen, you can't come into work tomorrow. We're going to pay you, but you can't come in tomorrow." Wow. And um, 
And he didn't like that. He wanted to be there. He's a performer. He wanted to perform. And, um, and then I remember putting together a meeting. Um, and I remember, I, I remember going and said, listen, you know what? You, you, got, you got to meet with Joel. Did you feel like you were put in the middle of that or you felt oh, like I should be in the middle of that? I felt like I should be in the middle of it. Um, it was my job. You know, I, didn't, I, don't, I, I don't think I ever really shirked from the responsibility of my job. I let other people answer that than me. You know, that's, that's my perception. And um, so, so I wound up putting a meeting together between Joel and Howard and Don and myself. We were the only four people at the meeting. All in, um, in person? In person. You know, I mean, the, the first reaction was when I said, you got to meet, you know, Howard said, fine. Joel said, fine, we'll do it in my office. They said, we're not going to his office. And um, so I had to scramble, and I had a restaurant that I frequented, I mean, a lot, just down the block from the, from the radio station. And I went to the, the, the chef slash manager slash part owner and said, I need a room in your restaurant you know, from 10 a.m. until whenever. And, um, and I just set the meeting up. I didn't even know if he, had, he was going to give me the room. I just, I just set the meeting up, and I made the room happen, and we met there. The four of us met there. I was back on the next day, you know, so there was an air clearing. You know, there was a clearing of the air, um, but I don't know how much it changed. Yeah, it still stayed kind of awkward for yeah, a long yeah, time. Yeah, clearly. And then uh, Tim Sabian, he was uh, an Infinity or CBS or Viacom, right, whatever so we were Tim, back yeah, then. Tim, yeah, he was. Tim had been. Um, Tim was a good, a really good PD. Uh, had been in Philadelphia at one point. He he programmed both New York and um, and Philadelphia. So he did K Rock and YSP, um, and then had gone back to YSP only, um, and um, and then he left to go there. I have no idea what the circumstances were around that. It was none of my business. He just yeah, did. but that was prior to Howard going off the air. Like he he started assembling people behind the I, scenes. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess as I best remember it, yes. Yeah, I was always curious. Um, you know, were there were there talks for you to go over there? Did you have so many years with Infinity that it didn't make sense for you to do that? Did you want a new challenge? What you know? What were you never asked? Honestly, what were those? No, things? I wasn't sure what I wanted at that point. Um, I mean, Howard, you know, had said a couple of times, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I want, I was, I was willing to do any, I mean, I, I had certain loyalty, certainly to CBS. Um, you know, I had a lot of, empl- I had employees at the radio station who looked up to me, I guess that was my perception and that's the way that, and, um, you know, but I never lobbied for a job at Sirius, um, I, you know, I decided to stay there, and um, so I did. And then, um, what was the? Were you part of the process? How much? How involved were you when now CBS had this uh, unenviable job of trying to find replacements for Howard around the country? Right. Um, were you involved in suggestions, or when they had suggestions, would they run things by you? Considering... They kind of would keep me in the loop as to what their plan was, but it was uh, being very being being very much run top down um, at that point. So they had to, as they were trying to figure out what was in the best interest of the company, they came up with their plan for different people, different markets, you know. Um, 
Adam Carolla, you know, on the West Coast, and multiple markets on the West Coast. Uh, Kid Leo, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm going to say Kid Leo, but Not I could Kid be Not Kid Leo, it was um, Rover. Rover. Rover, Rover in the Cle- Midwest. Out of Cleveland, you know, for, you know, and then, um, and then David Lee Roth for, uh, you know, for... For the East Coast. On the East Coast. Do you think it would have been best if they, if every radio station just kind of, they yes. said, listen, now yes. you have to figure out your mornings? Yes. Yeah. Because I had a plan. I knew what I wanted to do. We had done research and uh, we had recommendations from the researchers to what to do. Did you do that research after before. Howard announced? Before. Even uh, before. Oh, uh, before Howard. you had those 15 months. After, it was probably done after Howard announced, uh, but certainly before he left. And you're, did, uh, could you say what those ideas were? Yeah, they were, we wanted to be a rock station. So you we, want wanted, to do like we, a, we wanted to go back to just, you know, just we were going to play music 24 hours of the day. We weren't going to try and recreate what we had with Howard. Um, we had some very talented air people, in, including Booker, uh, who I still think is one of the, was a really, really talented, is a very, very talented jock who would have morphed into, I think, a great morning show um, because he was doing a good nighttime show. But it was, unfortunately, um, those were not to be my decisions. And when did you get word of David Lee Roth, and what was your initial reaction? Um, I'll quote my granddaughter. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was going to be housed at, at K-Rock. Yes. And they were going to f- oh boy, <laughs> flip everything. You're a nice guy in a lot of ways. Right. You know, I mean, you know, you worked with, you produced the show. Yeah. Um, you know, very interesting, complicated, you know, really talented guy. Um, but we had talked to him before. When uh, I had a program director named Steve Kingston, who was there for five years, uh, we had had some conversation with David about doing a, a, a doing a music show, and you know he had his idea on what his music show was wanted to be, and and you know and I, I remember kind of leaving the meeting going, eh, doesn't make sense to me, you know, and uh, we never did anything with it, and now all of a sudden here he was become our morning. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code BORING to play for free. You could win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code BORING for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. It's Al's Boring Podcast. Then they also decide they're flipping these stations to to Free FM. Free FM, yeah. Uh, you think better success had you were, we were able to keep it as uh, branded as K-Rock even if we put David Lee Roth in the morning? Couldn't have been any worse. Yeah, it was just a bad situation all the way around. Uh, and then he sort of gets handed to you. Sort of. <laughs> well, he gets handed to you. Yeah. Um, and uh, do the initial meetings go okay, or right off the bat it feels like 
you know, he may have been told one thing, you've been told another thing. Now get together. I didn't. Um, I didn't have the sense that there were mixed messages between him and me. I had a sense that um, he had his idea. We were, you know, to accommodate his, accommodate his ideas as best we could, and um, and let's see where it was going to take us. And then that did not last very long. No, it didn't. What do you think of some of the three other months? Sh- uh, three months, right? Three or four months. What do you think of some your, of the other? Your, your fateful trip to Miami, wasn't it? That was uh, that was in March. Yes. So it did not <laughs> last uh, much longer I think past it was pretty that. Pretty close to the end. What do you think of the other some of the other shows then? Like JV and Elvis, they came uh, from San Francisco, right? Do you think they could have uh, on the right station with with other good shows around them? That yeah, that I think so. I thought yeah, they, they had something guys. There. They 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 did. They I mean, unfortunately, they also had a really strong self destructive bent, um, you know. But I yeah, I mean, I, I again, I they were, I thought they were being pretty smart, pretty, you know, pretty good guys, but. Not as good as they needed to be. And then, uh, so when Opie and Anthony, uh, then Opie and Anthony right. come aboard. Now, you had probably, perhaps, did some... Um, no problem. Ha- ...had some interaction with them during their WNEW days. Um, never directly, but indirectly, yeah. Because now I'm, I was kind of the, the company non-lawyer... Um, Indecency expert. Yes, you became an expert. I was. I was. I had a unique. You know, who was I? I was the lay indecency expert in radio, and um, and I'd frequently listen because there was all sorts of contentiousness between that show and and Howard's show, and I would listen to it a lot just to so that if if there were things that I needed to weigh in on and that I'd be able to do that. Um, as far as content, or as far I mean, indecency well, as far, stuff, or as far as. Both. Bad mouth in our Both. morning, man. Both. I always and found it a little strange is that, that you know, Howard, uh, you know, would would kind of go after new guys in every market. Right. And then even his own own company in Imus. And then when Opie and Anthony started going after him. Except some, here's, I think, I see, it was different to me because when Howard started attacking Imus, Imus worked for a different company. You know, so how is he now to when they all of a sudden now that the companies merge, all of a sudden he's now he his loves best them. friend. Yeah. You know, I mean, Howard, you know, his credibility was too important to him and, um, you know, to, to do that. So I, I see I saw this. I saw the situations as being different. And and I understood um, Howard's desire to not have a, a show that was brought to New York, you know, by the company to now decide that he was fair game. How was I mean? We had a lot of years invested in Howard and building him up to make him into a really big deal, and 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 which he was able to do on his own, you know. Um, but for a new show to the market, to all of decide that he is the target, I understood that. I understood his, you know, his saying, "No, that ain't right." And when you would listen to the Opie and Anthony on NEW in those earlier years, the late '90s, early 2000s, did you think they were talented guys? Like that, that you know, you you expected them to get ratings in the afternoon, or did it seem like I always felt, you know, I growing up a Howard Stern guy, I was like Howard in that I hated everything that wasn't Howard. So to me, it was like that's a ripoff, that's a ripoff, that's a ripoff. Then I worked over at NEW, and I I. I did start liking both shows, so I, right. I, I thought Opie and Anthony were very funny. I still loved Howard. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I wonder, like, you know, then around the country when they started syndicating Opie and Anthony, on some stations and even bigger markets, you had Howard in the morning, you had Opie and Anthony in the afternoon, and those stations seemed to work well, but you couldn't ma- uh, marry those two in New York. Mm. Well, we never tried to. Well, I guess you didn't need to. K-Rock was a very healthy station. Right. Yeah, and then we NEW was... Point, at one point, we were the number two billing radio station in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, for one year. So, we, yeah, we were very successful for a lot of years. And what? And who would you communicate with at NEW? Was it Jeremy Coleman? Would you call in, in no, the, Ken, Ste- Ken Stevens? Ken. And how did those conversations go? Was Ken, he- I, I, Ken was a, was a friend. We were very friendly. So the conversations were good. And, I, you know, and sometimes I would communicate with our general counsel, chief FCC lawyer, uh, Steve Lerman. And, um, you know, he's a friend. He's a friend to this day. So those conversations, I mean, I have relationships. You know, I've been there for a long time. Yes. I was an early, early guy, uh, you know, in Infinity. Um, you know, in that it was, I got there when there was still only, they'd gone to eight radio stations. Um, so I, I had relationships and I had some credibility. Um, hopefully I had more than some, but I certainly had some credibility that uh, I knew what I was talking about. Um, so then, uh, yeah, I remember I, I ran the dump button for Obi and Anthony right. when we had to take out, I had to take out any, uh, Howard Stern reference. Right. So anything, even a hoo-hoo Robin, uh, every little thing we would take out. Uh, and then those guys, uh, got themselves fired. Uh, David Lee Roth got himself fired. Time has passed. Uh, we, uh, Opie and Anthony went to XM and now we needed a, uh, morning right. team. Uh, what were your thoughts on bringing Opie and Anthony aboard? Again, I, I didn't make the decision to bring him. You know, I was told the conversations were ongoing, um, you know, and it, it's at that point, you know, you never want to be the, the, the first person in after a star leaves kind right. of thing. So we had done that. You know, we had had David Lee Roth. Didn't work. You know, good luck, David. Um, and now made sense to try it. Although it was a... It was a you know, it was a very unusual situation because here we are simulcasting a show on, on a satellite. Um, and then they would leave us every morning at nine, nine o'clock, o'clock, if I remember correctly, you know, to walk over to, to go back and to do their last. So you know, the last hour, I mean, it was it was odd, um, you know, but it was OK. I remember, I remember the first the first conversation I had with Opie. Um, I forget if he called me or I called him. And we both kind of said, this is awkward, isn't it? Um, and then we met, uh, with, with Mark Chernoff, um, the, the four of us met and we had a really nice conversation. Um, you know, I think there was, you know, I, I sort of respected them, um, and, and saw them as being a much better fit, certainly than, you know, than, than unfortunately David Lee Roth turned out to be. Right. Yeah. I know, uh, when I knew them at WNEW, they were hard guys to work with because they were crazy, kind of. And and then when they came to 92.3, they were more, like, um, mature, I guess, uh, easier to work with, kind of knew what they were coming into, right. I think. But, uh, but less it, successful. Less successful, right. Less, uh, less right. anger. Sometimes these guys need to be angry. Yeah, no, I, I listen, absolutely. You know? Um, okay, so then that ends, and then how did I, you know? I honestly don't remember how that whole thing ended. Free FM, I because I came here to to FAN. Well, I, I remember, I pretty much remember. Um, 
Well, JV and Elvis got in trouble for... Yeah, yeah. Free FM just imploded. Yeah. I mean, it was... I had no shit. You know, right. It was a bad idea from the get-go. And then there's changes in upper management again. You know, so a new president of the company comes in. And um, one of the first conversations I had with him was, what's going on in your radio station? I said, my radio station sucks. You know, it shouldn't be what it is. They never should have taken it away from me, what it it was before. Um, He said he agreed. So um, said, how fix how how quickly can you fix it? I said, I don't know. I'll give me, I'll hang up and call Kevin Weatherly, Kevin, you know, who's this brilliant PD out in LA and a you know and a friend of mine, um, who had when we changed from classic rock to alternative rock, was the architect of that. Called him and said, Kevin, you know, how fix, how quick can we fix this, you know? And um, I think it, within six weeks or so. We went back to being, you know, a, an alternative kind of station, and um, and it was better, you know. It wasn't it, I mean? Unfortunately, we were so we were so scarred at that point, you know. You can't keep changing, you know. If Coca Cola hadn't been really smart and said New Coke stinks, throw it away, and let's go back to being old Coke and Diet Coke, you know, what would that brand be today? You know. So we tried to be New Coke, Old Coke. You know, Coke with different, you know, with five different varieties within a, you know, and that's an exaggeration, but within a, a year and a half or two years of yeah. the biggest name in the history of radio leaving us. And um, and unfortunately, we were probably being pretty close to dead in the water in terms of credibility. It was going to take a long time to build it back. And, um, but, you know, because I, cause I remember they, the, way they, the way we kicked it off was Kevin said, you should go on the air and apologize. Because there was a lot of apologies going on at the time. I forget exactly what it was. Oh, I miss how to apologize. Yeah, I miss, maybe that was it. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was back around then. And um, so I did, you know, for whatever it was worth. You know, I mean, um, again, because, because of the exposure through Howard, kind of, my, you know, my name was kind of known. And um, so that's what they decided to do. We did, and we tried it. And, um, and oh, but, uh, but O&A was still doing mornings. And because uh, I remember when I... When I left, when I when I left the company back in so January of '08, I think, um, you know, that they were there because I remember having to go in to them and say, "Listen, you need to be in my office, at, you know, at, as soon as you can after the show's over." And they said, "Why are you retiring?" I said, I, "I'm not telling you anything, but just come to my office." And did that feel weird to you? Retiring? Yeah, yeah. And then telling Opie and Anthony of all people. Well, I was told the entire staff. Oh, well, probably, the whole staff you, you, you was there. Were, uh, yeah, I was you, gone by then. You were gone? I left in September of uh, 07. Okay, yeah, so you were For, this, for the launch so of Boomer and Carton. Right. Yeah, you, I, ran, you ran like a... Well, that dog. looked like trouble, Tom. This was, <laughs> this was a nice, stable <laughs> radio station. You know what? It was, it was, it was uh, in retrospect, clearly it was a smart decision. Yes. Right. I regretted it immediately when I first did it. Yeah, but it was the right thing for you to do. Yeah, because those dump button jobs are great. You get to listen to a, sh- a show for four hours. Right. This is a great gig. Right. But, yeah, no but, but we were trying to get you to do more than that, too. Yes. Um, but you didn't really want to. You didn't. You didn't want to take on the the responsibility of trying to produce O and A and turn it into a. Uh, oh right. That right. Yes, that's yeah, correct. Yeah, exactly. I forgot about that. I've actually completely forgot about that. Okay. But yes, that's correct. Conveniently. Conveniently. Right. Um, do you have you listened to the serious version of Howard Stern of show? On a regular basis? Semi, yeah. Yeah. And are you still in touch with those folks? Sure. All good? Everything's uh, yeah, friendly absolutely. and all absolutely. that stuff? I mean, they're, they're great people. I mean, he's a, I think of him as a really good friend. You know, we're not hanging out and having dinner, you know. But, um, 
But yeah, I mean, I have nothing but a, but the world of respect for them. What do you think? Did you get word of this uh, new, um, the way they take ratings nowadays in radio with these PPM Yeah, that was starting before, as I was leaving. It was. was coming in. That looks like that looked like trouble. Yeah, because it, it, I don't think it, <laughs> I don't think it helped the consistency, you know, and it, it certainly, it, it didn't help the consistency of the ratings as they had as they had existed before. It was a better research. Uh, I'm not a researcher, you know. I'm, I was a salesman. I was a manager. I was a, you know, um, you know. I, I mean, I was the guy who. When somebody asked me, so what did you do? I said, I, I don't know exactly what I did, but I did a lot of different things, you know, and kind of I was the guy, if somebody was running around with his hair on fire, I knew I had to know where the fire extinguisher was. Right. You know, and um, so, but so, I mean, I, I guess it's better research, but I'll Maybe. let researchers answer that. Yeah, it's always a, such a small sample of all right. these things. Certainly asking people to sit down and write down in the diary what they had listened to for the past week on the basis of their memory seemed like that was a little shaky, and that's what the old system was, and now the one's the new meters. So I, I guess it's better. I don't know. I, fortunately, I don't care. You don't have to worry about that. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't, has no impact on my life whatsoever. And what about music? What type of music do you listen to these days? You get in your car. What's going on? Um, a little bit of everything, you know? I was in uh, I was in a Best Buy yesterday. They had um, I don't even know the name of the song, but that that the uh, the Rihanna um, Eminem song. And I love that. You know the monsters in my head. Yes, that's what if that. I mean, that's a friggin' awesome song. I love that song. You know, I still like listening. To, um, got heard. I was uh, shopping yesterday at uh, you know, and Tears for Fears was on. It's one of the great albums ever made. Right. That first album, Tears for Fears, man, that was there was so much good music on that. But I like I I like some of that stuff. I like some of the new stuff, you know. Um, Adele makes me weepy at times. Oh know? really? Yeah, but I cry at everything though. Oh. You gotta understand, I cry at everything. You're more I mean, sensitive now. I'm a very if you want to, what chemo did to me. Yeah. Chemo made me very sensitive. I cry at uh, you know I, I cry at, if there's a really good commercial that's pulling in a heartstring, <laughs> you might get a tear from me. And when you go out and about, you go out to dinner. Do people I recognize go out to you a lot? You don't go out to dinner? No, no. Try to keep my girlish figure. Oh, yeah, you eat in uh, restaurants, always bad fatty food. Right. But when you're out and about, do people go, Tom? Sometimes, yeah. Howard Stern? Yeah, still. Yeah, absolutely. And you get used to like that? Yeah, it's fine. It's cool, right? Why not? Absolutely. Why not? And uh, do you ever get uh, get in the car and uh, you punch up the Sirius and you you run into like a Howard 101 and you're on there? Yeah, 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 the best of And will you stick around to see what's going on? Yeah, yeah, sure. I bet you forget most of them. There have been so many. I, you know, but when, as soon many? as I hear it, I remember it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean, I listen, it was a great, it was 20 years of my life. You know, it was a great 20 years of my life. It was a very, very profitable 20 years of my life. Um, it was a very challenging 20 years of my life, but it was 20 years of my life, you know, that a lot, a lot happened in from, you know, the, you know, from very shaky health, you know, almost dying. Um, you know, son getting married, all sorts of, you know, um, my mother, I mean, all sorts of things, 9-11, you know, um, a lot of things happened in those 20 years. I mean, there were, there were 20 historic years in, in my life and, uh, I'm really proud of them. I'm proud of my association with, with that radio station, with that show. And, um, so yeah, so I mean, do I still, still get excited about it a little bit? Absolutely, I do. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. Sure, why right. wouldn't you? You say, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 
Well, Tom, thank you very much. I enjoyed this. No, it was fun for me too. Thanks, Al. Thank you.